in school, we are taught that history is over. Stuff still happens, people live and they die, but the hard, scary business of destroying conventional institutions and replacing them with institutions of freedom, that business is finished. It's not as if we fundamentally misunderstand what freedom entails in the same way that you could say that, let's say, the pre-Reformation Catholics fundamentally under, uh, misunderstood what Christianity entails. So at this stage, we are taught that even if we disagree about the particulars, the core institutions undergirding our political, social, family, and religious lives are basically formed. We don't have to reform them or refound them. We've already had the Revolutionary War. We don't have to kick off monarchs. We're not confused about slavery anymore. So for the most part, um, history's done. We just kind of participate a little bit in our way, right? So we just need to fill in details from here or there, but for the most part, the revolutionary struggle of transforming basic institutions is not really tied to fundamental meaning in our life. We are not called upon to do that kind of work. Other people were, they did it, we read about, we read about them in history books, but now we can kind of just kind of live within the institutions as they stand. We don't have to change the game, we just have to play it very well. So it's all just personal challenges that we choose to take on. Our lives are a series of passion projects that we can't really expect ourselves and other people to fight and die for. You can either take it up the project if you want to, for example, racial justice, or you could just as easily take up the training for a marathon or try out a new diet or put everything you can into getting a promotion at work. It's all equally valid and meaningful as long as the institutions are, there's no need for large institutional change. All of those pursuits are equally valid because when the institutions of freedom are already in place, like we, like we are taught that they are, history is done. The ultimate meaning comes from the expression of one's kind of subjective will, right? I could choose to do some of this big political work or I could just choose to have a very nice, like, yard it's all the same because um the institutions of freedom allow me to choose what i want to choose and make meaning out of that now fundamental meaning in your life can emerge from the fight for these passion projects or high level hobbies and that's what that's that's kind of an exponent of history being done however history is not over which means you are squandering any chance of meaning in your life if you aren't clearly on the right side of our contemporary revolutionary struggle. And let's be honest, this may also be why you have some mental health issues. I'm just saying, like, if it's 1840 and you find yourself worried about everything except ending chattel slavery, it's not a surprise that you are going to have issues with the stories you tell yourself to get through the day. And now you just tell yourselves different kinds of stories about standing injustices and institutional reformation that you might not have the gumption or the skills to engage with, right? So part of the battle of history in this moment is that we are taught that history is over. We are taught that history is what, uh, what already happened, that the march of history and the founding of transformational and, uh, and the founding and transformation of objective institutions self-determination where you know a person's inner spirit gets validated and expressed is that work is done right but you have to understand that this 
this validating work, this work of freedom can only happen through a series of well-formed interconnected institutions of freedom. And if we don't have those institutions of freedom, then all of our passion projects are kind of distortions. There are ways in which we're complicit in our standing institutions of, of disorder and of oppression. And then we tell ourselves stories to get around that. And then we find new passion projects that still don't actually um, address the revolutionary challenge. And that's how you're in 1776 and making excuses about why the revolution isn't all that important. Or you're in the 60s civil rights movement and you're thinking, well, you know, I guess we should stop lynching black people, but I'm going to, I don't know. I, I just, I'm going to let it see how it plays out. Or you're in pre-revolutionary or uh, in the slave South, just kind of going along with slavery because it's not your business, but you're actively ignoring it, right? So in this way, there's always a moment in history where you could deny that there's historical work to be done. Now, I've just said a lot of words, but what does any of this look like, right? So big examples of historical movements are, for example, uh, going from having your political life being dictated by the moods of a monarch, as we were in pre-revolutionary America, uh, to instead having a constitutional democracy set down by law. In that case, freedom means not being dragged into a war because the monarch is in a bad mood. Another moment of history as history is as history as the history of the march and setbacks of self-determination could be having the ability to worship in the style of your conscience rather than have some pope speaking in Latin or a state church decide what your church looks like. So um, the Protestant Reformation or the, the people who fled England to come to America for religious freedom. These are big historical institutional moments because they transformed existing institutions into institutions of freedom. And that's why they're memorable. That's why we still like, you know, study Martin Luther or anything like that. So the founding of institutions of freedom, not just participating in institutions as they stand, is the stuff of history. But if all of our institutions are already institutions of freedom, that means history is functionally over. However, we have problems, right? So, and lastly, one way of thinking about history is being able to contribute to civil society in a way that you want to, rather than have what your parent, rather you do what your parents did because that's what society needs. That means if you come from a dentist, you're gonna be a dentist because society needs a dentist. But we, we fractured and industrialized society and made it more market-based such that you don't have to do what your parents did just because your parents did it, right? You get to choose your profession among like what society needs, not just the profession that was dictated to you. There's some consequences to that, but you see how that is a historical moment. It is a moment where freedom was installed into our everyday life. Even if we shuttered some conventional habits of thought and action, we're like, I just did what my parents did because my parents did it. You know, the first um, Smith who decided, I don't want to be a Smith, a blacksmith, especially if that was the first son, has probably got a lot of guff for that. But, you know, some life's like that. All right, so... And another way that history has emerged, uh, historical moments, is like the way we don't have to marry um, the way an elder tells you to marry. Instead, you can choose your own spouse, 
right? These are historical moments. It wasn't always that case. And, and these are moments where history, where freedom is installed and marriage becomes an institution of freedom and the workplace becomes an institution of freedom and the political life becomes an institution of freedom and all of these other aspects of your life, you get property rights, like all of these other aspects of your life become institutions of freedom as opposed to you being externally determined by some power. All right, so are we done with history? have all the institutions of freedom um, come into being. Now, in all of these ways, our, particip our participation in meaningful institutions have gone from being in control of someone other than us to being in our control. Like in the political sphere, you have to share power with other people. So that's a bit of a bummer for some people who are bad at sharing power, which is a lot of you people. Uh, but part of political maturity is understanding that real power grows when you share it. But moving from uh, institutions of oppression, these particular institutions of oppression, to these particular institutions of freedom doesn't solve all of our problems. You don't really get to marry whomever you want. The other person has to agree. And you don't get to, just because you, <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, the elder isn't going to save you that way, right? So you don't get whatever job you want. Just because you don't have to do what your parents want, you get the job society has to value, right? So society has to value your work for it to be a viable uh, um, enterprise in a market-based uh, society, right? So as expressed through the capitalist market or the political system. So we can decide we want you to do that work as a political body or like you can create value as an individual and kind of sell your wares to other individuals. But it's not as if you get to do anything you want just because you don't have to be a dentist or whatever your parents were. And there's a way in which there was more stability and just going into the family trade where the family trade was secure as opposed to now you get you have the opportunity to fend for yourself on the market, but also no security um, in what you do. Right? So you have to submit yourself to and you also don't get to do whatever you want when you want to just because you're outside of the purview of King George. You still have to submit yourself to laws designed by other people. It's just been laundered through a constitutional democracy and you participated in them in a way, right? But since there are many people who often have contradictory wills, we need each other to play along. That doesn't go away. So freedom doesn't mean I get to do whatever I want to when I want to. I always need other people to play along. That's why these institutions of freedom need to actually occur and they're gonna be different from each other and structured differently. Um, so that we don't get in each other's way. Well, when institutions are all done and history is over, it's easy to study politics because you just look at the institutions that exist and you see how they're all interconnected and you're like, oh, that's how freedom is made manifest. Right? So it's easy to study politics and so social life as the self-actualization of individual actors. Right? So if your institutions of freedom are already established, then all history is just... You know, what people do within those institutions. It's one of these forgettable NBA seasons where they don't actually change rules or change the game. But, like, you know, a very good team won it that year, and then you f they get a ring and you forget about them next year. Right? There was no, no one broke the game. Like, you didn't have to change rules 
because if you have to change rules, that would be a historic um, event. If some team played the game in such a way that you actually have to change the rules in or of the game in order to make the game right. <laughs> they broke the game in such a way, figured out a way to play the game in such a way that you have to change the rules to make the game right, depending on who you talk to. This was like the Jordan rules, but or like getting rid of um was it getting rid of zone defense or man to man. Then like you've actually made a historical impact in the game. Right? So um if his, if your meaningful action, take hey, one. No, if meaningful actions are just your individual kind of participation within the rules in a way that doesn't actually force institutional change, it's an open question whether you're living a, a meaningful life, right? But if the rules are just, you probably are. If the rules are unjust, you're probably participating in uh, a system of oppression. Because it's hard to kind of climb the ladder of success as you are reorganizing to justify it, right? So what substitutes uh, for political concern when history is over is just kind of these passion projects or these uh, nice exemplary models within conventional society, but are ultimately kind of forgettable, right? So we've talked about the, how that could work in a political context, but even in, and you see this in the civil society where you support a business or a private venture, not because it serves a public purpose, but uh, or you think that it like needs to solve a problem in society, but because it helps the self-actualization of your niece or your nephew or whomever. And that's fine if we don't have any other institutional work to do. But we do. And so, and so far as history is not over, if you're concerned with these um petty kind of passion projects, you can't be surprised when nobody has anything to say with your funeral, at your funeral, because at your funeral, people are going to be talking about the work of history and how you figured into it. And if you didn't figure into it and there was work of history to be done, people are going to be mute. So in general, we've been taught that there is no big political or social or cultural transformation to be done. The problem is um, that's just not true. As it stands, we still have the work of freedom to be institutionalized, and we don't really have control of our lives. So we're not under chattel slavery, but between monopoly power and the private market and dictating our social and political options, because monopoly power then goes and buys politicians, uh, like, uh, how free are we? And industrial society creates barriers to entry, so it's not as if I can do anything I want if I just, you know, put my tools and my mind to it, because I need other people. Uh, and if I'm a, you're part of a stigmatized group, look, the private labor market or private civil society has never absorbed stigmatized populations at fair wages and working conditions. So there's still freedom to be done. There's still work to be done. You have an entire generation that's putting off getting married. When you have an entire generation that's putting off getting married because they don't have what they don't have what it takes to be free in a married relationship in these United States, that means we have large institutional problems that have yet to be addressed and even recognized. 
we have kind of what's called an immediate relationship with uh, political institutions and an immediate relationship. We don't actually have the critical distance to evaluate them, to study them. We just take it as given. And that's kind of that kind of immediate individuality regarding our political and social relationships is a problem because we can't even diagnose the, pro the, the issue. We just know that vaguely we are unfree and we don't have the space to say like, actually, maybe in a system, of, in, a, in, in a nation of laws, everyone needs guaranteed access to a lawyer, right? Maybe in an industrial democracy or an industrial society where 95% of the worker, 95% of the electorate are 95% of the workforce, excuse me, are, are employees. And if you want to be uh, a capitalist, you're going to have to compete with the industrial, you know, giants, then maybe we need to institute, if we're serious about economic security for political independence, maybe we need to institute a federal job guarantee where we will find you a job doing public work um, at a good wage until the private market like wants your skills for some reason or until you save up and can now compete in the private market, right? So there are institutions of freedom that we still need. I mean, we had the New Deal before. Growing old just meant being poor and dying early. Now we have Social Security, right? Social Security is an institution of freedom. And there's a reason why we read about the New Deal and not so much a great society. There's a reason why we read about the New Deal. It's because it was a historical institution. Like, it, 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 it was a moment in history because it brought freedom into the world. So if history were truly over, there wouldn't be, well, we wouldn't be in the middle of a racial justice um, uprising, but there wouldn't be as much justified anxiety in general. And like, I, I think it's race in America. We have an entire political economy that's run by like an anti-black police state. <laughs> and uh, and that goes with neighborhood segregation and school segregation and then occupational segregation and then we talk about mass incarceration it's all coming down to how do we get away from black people and that's what governs like our world as it stands and it's making everyone anxious black people and not black people so and until we make that whole and we actually install the quality of racial justice programs that we need and laws and do the transformational work in society, both cultural and uh, political and economical, uh, political and economic, then we will be in this way. We will still be kind of like pre-Reformation uh, Catholics who kind of know indulgences are bad and it's kind of weird, or even uh, Vatican II, who kind of know that like it's weird to have to listen to a Latin mass and still get meaning from it, although I don't understand what's going on. So um, I, I, we're in that space now. We just have to acknowledge it and do that work. And that work will be the meaningful work of freedom and the meaningful work of history in our lives. But we have to admit that history is not over. Our institutions as they stand are actually making us a little bit sick. Even if we have kind of misinterpreted the uh, our kind of mental and political instability, right? One reason I do these videos is to convey a quality of self-understanding that we need as a people to secure better institutions of freedom. I don't do it because of the clout or the money. I need you people to be free and have a good sense of the problem because we all share these institutions and I have to deal with you.
We need to be honest about our inadequacies of our political and social institutions, and that includes the social institutions you are reared under. We need, and so I'm trying to give you like the tools to critique those institutions that you might have a little bit of an immediate relationship with, so you don't see the problem. Um, and so we've, in this way, we've normalized widespread degradation and concentrations of power. And knowing that power is simply the ability to do what you want, while at the same time, we've figured out a way to blame the functionally powerless for their lot as powerless. Lastly, uh, one reason we fail to democratize power is if history isn't over, we still have a series of social and political transformations to bring about. Much like we thought that history was over we still, when we still had slavery, right? And then the founding of these institutions is going to come through exertions of power over people who aren't quite honest about how their commitments to an unjust status quo are one, making them miserable or not as happy, and are two, actually putting their boot on someone else's neck. Here's a rule of thumb. History will be over in these United States when black people are free through empowerment, not a moment sooner. The same with the working class. And until we establish those institutions of black and working class empowerment, we are idling in neutral, squandering our lives as we remain vaguely anxious because we don't want to end up like we treat black people of the working class. Um, because we aren't willing to shoulder the inconvenience and unpopularity of the risk of transforming our current institutions. Thank you for your time. Go out and do the work of history. Please don't squander your life. Peace.